theme song for the Gear Podcast. Leon. Yeah. Let me tell you something, mate. I've got to address tell a me. couple of things really quick. One thing in particular off the top. Uh, firstly, how are you? Bloody great, mate. How are you? I'm great. But most importantly, right now, uh, I saw someone left a comment on the previous episode. They'd like to hear a full version of the theme song for the Gear Podcast theme song. I'm just here to tell you categorically, that is the full theme song. There won't be another version released. I'm really sorry, everybody, but that is just not going to happen. Um, not that I can't do it. I won't do it. But it's also a piece of very meta performance art where we're here to talk about gear and all the things you make music with, yet the theme song is a single man singing. Well, yeah, not exactly. That, not that you're a single man. You are <laughs> like, very unavailable to anybody interested in that, but you are a unit. <laughs> I'm a unit, yep. So anyway, I just want to make that really clear. Sorry, everybody, to let you all down, but um, that's the theme song. It It is now. It will ever be. It's live. It's different every single time, uh, ever so slightly. Just like, you know, you never copy your choruses when you're doing a music recording session. You just like record them every time because it sounds way better. Screw you if you do it the other way around. That's just what, that's what happens. That's how it is. So moving on, Uncle Leon, uh, you're, you're doing good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Let's, um, let's get a couple other things out of the way really quick before we start the episode in proper. Um, Pies Lines this weekend. How are you feeling? Mate, it's uh, 2002, 2003 Redux. I'm actually pretty excited. I don't care who wins, which is awesome. I love watching grand finals where you're like, hope it's a good game. The prelims were sick. Oh, it's been, it's so been a great final series. It's been a good year of footy, yep. except for the Eagles getting pumped yep. nearly every week. But, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Yep. Pretty exciting. Could go either way. Yeah, if you're, um, I mean, I'm not sure when this episode's going to go out, but if you haven't, uh, if you have the option to watch the AFL Grand Final, wherever you are listening to this in the world, then please do it. You'll enjoy it. Um, the ones in black and white are the evil team, um, just so we're all clear. It was almost a, an evil versus evil Grand Final. Um, thankfully, there is a, a sparkle of good in there, even though it's coming from Brisbane. So, you know, I guess you take Shout out get. to all our Queensland listeners out there. Um, but uh, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Are you playing? Yeah, we're playing that night, so we're oh, gonna right show at Badlands. So what time? Yeah, uh, we're on at like ten. You uh, know, that's but a shame. I think it's, I think it starts at six thirty or something. So there's multiple bands. I'm at the Balmoral to like eleven thirty because otherwise oh, I might in, but, dog um, and the boys, mate. Dog but I got and the boys. I got double banger. I've got the Camfield early, and then um, Johnny Fox after that. Oh, not Johnny Fox. Balmoral after that. So. It's going to be a long day. Mate, I've got to drive so, to Albany tomorrow. So it's currently Thursday. I've got what are you Al on that for? Uh, wedding gig. Playing bass. Oh. Playing the bass. Um, there you go. I haven't done a bass gig, Leon, since you and I played um, Melbourne Cup <laughs> Day last November. So you're going to be in full... You're going to be chopped up for this year's Melbourne Cup. <laughs> yeah, chopped <laughs> Yeah, correct. I'm going to be chopped up. Um I've I really tried to play some bass before the gig because when we did that Melbourne Cup gig, I hadn't played a bass gig in about eight months, and I didn't have any calluses on my fingers. I didn't know how to play the instrument anymore. It was quite tough actually. And then um, I, I I barely got through the gig, and I thought, you know what? I've got plenty of time to play the bass, not practice, just play, just get the fingers working again. Uh, I had about a month's notice, so naturally I started playing bass yesterday. Of course. Went, went through the songs. So um, I can't even see the white bits of the callus forming yet. 
It hasn't blistered over. So I don't know what that means. I, I'll, I'll run the set a few times today and hope for the best. I'm sure she'll be fine. It um, means you just need to play bass with a pick, Troy, like a, oh. like a true, true bass connoisseur. Uh, basically, what you're saying is you're working hard to make a living. You bring in shelter from the rain. You're a father's son left to carry on. Blue denim is in your veins. That's you. I'm just a working class man. Oi, you're just a working class man on a working class podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, almost on that note, mate, un uh, Uncle Leo, one more thing. Uh, what'd you do on Sunday, mate? You have any, have a, have oh, a good time? What'd you do? Well, this is, this was the big thing that I wanted to talk about. Once I've talked about this, I've said my piece, I'm just going to tune out, but, uh, Mate, had some had some fantastic, fantastic brisket. Some of the best. Some of the best brisket I've ever eaten, Did Troy. You? And you know How's who that? cooked it? Who's that? Of course, you know who cooked it because you cooked it. Oh, it was me. Oh, no, it was good. Uh, yeah, thanks yeah, for coming around. If, if I if I was you, I'd have high self esteem after that. Felt pretty good about that one. You know, as always, a couple of things you try differently. I mean, the thing is, we're um, a couple of a couple of dudes in their mid thirties. Our podcast probably goes out to a bunch of dudes, <laughs> plus or minus 20 years from how old we are right now. And uh, if w there's one thing I know is that we all love meat and we all love cooking meat and we all love talking about meat. So despite the tangents and um, and how often that we go on those or I go on those, I think this is all something we can all appreciate. So I'll just say really quickly, it turned out pretty well. The bark was maybe, could have been a little better, but I, I got some um, handy tips from a friend of the pod, Richo. Should have wrapped it just a little bit later. Just evaporated some of the extra moisture out of there, then wrapped him, and it might have been sweet. So the next time, uh, that's what I'll try. But no, it turned out pretty good. I ate so much meat, mate, for two days straight. Just did you did you do some tacos the next day? Because I, I did, did some tacos and they were great. Under the advice of one Leon Todd, did some um, did some uh, brisket tacos. They were very very good. So good advice. This is we have reached peak. Uh, to quote Homer Simpson, I'm a white, white male aged 18 to 49. Everybody <laughs> listens to me, no matter how dumb the suggestions. <laughs> like, yep, in that age bracket, yep. have a podcast, you know, have, have, a, have a hobby that takes over most of your life and uh, love cooking barbecue meats. Yep. I mean, the barbecue could be the, the hobby that takes over my life and yours too, probably. It's, hey, a, it's a real fine line. It's, I mean, I... I've got a Weber, which I love, but yeah, last week when it was, no, sorry, last weekend now, when it was sort of sunny and warm and, you know, I fired up the bar, I cleaned the barbecue. Oh, that was a yes. whole thing. That was very satisfying. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I just cooked some stuff on it and it was awesome. Like I just like sitting out there in the dark next to a, next to burning charcoal yep. and like, you know, just just cooking some stuff. Yep. It's great. What what else are you going to do with your time on earth? Not much, mate. Well, you know, we've got some, um, you and I, when it gets a little bit uh, closer to summer, we'll have a couple of barbies. I'll come up to the ranch and, um, you know, you cook me something, I'll cook you something. I'll bring the kids up. They'll run around, you know. And as, as, they, as they like to say, so let's do it. <laughs> no, it's but, awesome. And a uh, few other, there were a few other comments on the podcast last week that I did want to address. So okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up the comment section and then we're going to dive into today's topic, which is, <laughs> guess what it's about? It's about gear. It's about new gear because there's, I feel like we're having this absolute glut of awesome stuff at the moment. Do Are you, know you what also happened? feeling that? Man, I, I haven't been, I hadn't been to the studio for a few days because it's school holidays, long, long weekend, all that sort of stuff. Oh, I went to the Royal Show on Tuesday. I didn't even know it was on. Mate, it was awesome. Like, was I hadn't taken rad? the kids before. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, but I had four days off, basically. 
and I don't think I had any gigs in that too. It was like a proper, like nice, well, that's why I cooked you some, um, some barbecue. So, um, yeah, I came to the studio yesterday and I sat down Wednesday morning ready to do some work. And then it's like, well, this has been released and that's been released. I'm like, well, what are all these YouTube videos coming out? I better spend like two and a half hours watching these before I open Pro Tools. So... Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, shout out to friend of the podcast, John Brown as well, because yeah. I mean, I'll let you tell the story. Uh, we had John on the podcast talking about vintage 30s and he's he become the pontiff of V30s, mate. Yep. So much so, um, I messaged him this and I'm, I think I messaged you as well, but um, someone, uh, oh, well, in Brisbane, I think was selling a pair of V30s, but specifically the like... I can't remember what the wording was. I could check the, the 2020 ones. Yeah, they were like, but the specific batch code, but um, like reference John, like, you know, the other John Brown as well. You know, not, yeah. the, not the one, the other, the better one, because he's been on this podcast. Um, specifically <laughs> referenced him as being, you know, the John Brown approved vintage. The 30s. aerodynamic John Brown. Yeah. <laughs> so he shall now be known as the aerodynamic one. And yeah, I've, I've been you, loving John's videos. Did you watch his he's video? He's doing good work. Yesterday or the day before about the. The Fanes, what are they called? The Laboga Mems. I think it's Mems <laughs> no, Fanes. but I've got it queued up. It's, um, they're really good, man. Like I like, I really, really liked the way that they sounded. They're a little different to V30s, but um, you know, like the um, the way vintage. Because I'm back onto vintage 30s. I like them again. I didn't like yep. them for a bit. Like them now. Um, there's like a, a like a mid range clarity in those speakers that is just like it's so present. It's so in your face more than any other speaker. Um, and I feel like that those vein, again, I, I think they're called Mems or a Met. Mate, can you just shut that cat? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if I had a meltdown, like, no, but, um, yeah, the, the way those, uh, those, uh, vein things like sound, it's just like enhanced that mid range, just like brought it they're out. They're the other, they're, I mean, you know, Celestion is synonymous with guitar speakers, but, you know. Every every person at some point goes EV in their life, and it's such a different thing. And you're like, yep. whoa, I don't get it. Whoa, I get it. Fanes are, you know, they don't sound like them, but they they are that other kind of classic speaker tone that's been around for a long time. I remember uh, there was a far out. Where was it? Maybe it was at Super Freak Studios or something. I went and caught up with um friend of the podcast Johnny C Anarchy Audio and there were three AC30s in there a new reissue an old one with blues and a 70s one with fanes and the 70s ones with fanes sounded insane right it was so awesome so awesome so heavy yeah. um <clears throat> maybe that's why i had the association with they make me think of EVs as well right. it's just this the mass so they're just a, yeah i'd i'd love to i'd love to grab some at some point yeah i've thought a couple of times about grabbing the um Freyette cab like the two or the, um, I think the four by 12 and the two by 12 are literally a couple of hundred dollars difference to buy them in Australia. Yeah. So you just probably buy the four, but um, I mean, they are just, they're a bit expensive, like for the cab. It's probably something I don't really, I've got, man, I just so bought, many cabs. can you see the cab in the back corner there? I don't know if you can see it in the shot. I bought a new cab. Just. Yeah. That's a Marshall SV212 with um, V twin. Oh uh, no, V, what are they called? V types in, the, yep. in there. So it's like, man, that's another cab that makes like nine or something now. It's probably a bit silly, but, um, but man, there's that pair of blackbacks that I'm still really tempted mm. on this, like pretty affordable. Um, they're really tempting me because I don't have any, um, anything vintage 
um, yeah, well, yeah, proper vintage. And I'd like to, I'd like to get that era, because you know, um, old mate Zen Amps. When you like, he he was the one that, when I first heard Blackbacks and was like, that's something I need to investigate yeah. a bit further. So. Anyway. Oh yeah. Anyway, he sounds so good in those Zen videos. But yeah, there's anyway. Shout out to John Brown. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff which is absolutely tangential to this. But yeah, so much cool stuff coming out, right? So where do you want to uh, start? What's where do you want to? Let's start with this. The this big dog oh, uh, yeah. for everyone who can see this Friedman IRX, yeah. which I'm I'm <laughs> so I can finally talk about because I've had this for at least a month. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a two-channel BE preamp, but so here's the thing, like, you know, the Synergy module, I didn't really like the BE Synergy module mm-hmm. um, and the thing that I wish the Synergy modules had was like they've got a speaker emulated out, right, but it's like a kind of analog speaker sim. It actually sounds pretty good, yeah. but if they had IR loading and a built-in power amp sim, they'd be an amazing direct solution. So that's basically what this does, mm-hmm. two-channel Friedman preamp, power amp sim, IR loading, the stock IRs sound really good. You can load your own in. It's got MIDI, it's got a USB editor. It sounds really, really good. I was, it was an interesting thing when I got it. I was like, okay, this is either going to be, people are either going to love this and just froth it or it'll get roasted because it's like, well, it's a bit, is it a true preamp? Is it a digital modeler? It can't make up its mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, I put the video, the, it, at the time of recording this, it was last night, but yeah, really, really well received. And, you know, I don't know, man, like Dave just kind of knows what people want mm. and it, you play it and you're like, you just play an A chord immediately, no matter where you have the knobs and it sounds good. Yeah. It's, um, it seems pretty well thought out. Um, yeah. Cause time. the, uh, not, this is not new now, but like say you, the tone X pedal and that's a fully digital sort of thing. Um, there's no effects loop on that if I'm correct. Yep. And it's like kind of makes it not impossible to use but in terms of like how people want to run their signal chain it makes it a little bit difficult to fully incorporate it where it's like it's it, it, on that it's like great you've just added in a couple of extra like midi as well so oh man so yeah because you know you stick that on your board right the sort of person who puts this on a pedal board probably has some midi capable pedals yeah so if you want something in the effects loop you just put it in there and you save a preset that has the effects loop on but then when you don't want it, you have another preset that has the effects loop off. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. So you And there's a foot switchable boost. So And you adjust the boost amount on the, on the yeah, side here, was, which is cool. kind of like cool. So, um, and you've got a boost volume. So you can have more volume for the boost. So really, I guess you've got, you know, the, and I talked about this in the video. It's like you have your, your cleaner channel, which can be set up for, to be crunchy with a boost on it. Um, and then your dirtier channel with a boost on it. So it's like you use that for your like hard rock rhythm, that for more your like, you know, let's say you're doing a cover gig, mate, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Channel one's your Tom Petty songs channel and your Sweet Home Alabama and you boost it for the solos mm-hmm. and channel two is everything else. And, again, you boost it for the solos. But, yeah, the, the loop on there, MIDI, uh, you know, I don't know what tubes they're running in it, but, yeah, it's basically just a BE preamp. Uh, the Michael Nielsen video sounds so good as well. Um, yeah, because of course it yet. sounds so good. Um, and they just, I mean, at as time of at time of recording, they've just done a tone talk with Mike 
like yeah. going through this pedal. So and you there's three IR slots per channel, and you select them on the unit with a little switch, oh, which clever. is nice. So uh, the the only thing I wish it had was this presence and thump sort of like power amp controls that you can only access from the editor. Yeah. Um, and there's no high or low cuts for the cab IRs, which I thought was weird. That'd be cool if they they added that as a feature at some point. But you know so, what? That sort of thing you could quite easily do in a software update, right? And my thinking with it as well is, you know, based on years and years of recording videos with modelers, when you mic a cab and you don't process it, some people, people who don't know anything about recorded guitar sounds prefer that sound because it sounds raw. Right. Uh, and, you know, y- y- when you play live, you're going to high cut it and low cut it. You're going to do a bunch of stuff to it. So they'll hear that like raw thing and be like, yeah, it sounds more like an app versus I've got a modeler with parametric EQs and multiband compressors and pitch detunes. I'm going to use all that stuff. I'm going to make my sound ready to go so it's plug and play live. And some people don't like that. So I think there is that aspect of like, well, we won't put the high and low cuts in and it'll just be raw like a mic damp, which, you know, in a lot of situations, if you're mixing live sound or you're recording, you're going to do that stuff on the channel anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. So um, another big brain we'll probably talk about later on uh, another pedal I did see had um, like yeah fully parametric and I don't know. I, that's a, that gets a little dangerous to me. I don't want to leave that stuff as a recording engineer. I don't want to leave that stuff in the hands of a guitar player All due respect to guitar players. <laughs> of idiot guitar players. Well, on parametric EQs, I've got these here to review, um, which you know, we, we say that, but then, like, as guitar players, no one makes good parametric EQ pedals, but the Empress Para EQ. Oh, right on. That's they cool. just reissued. It's pretty great, man. Like, foot switchable boost, but this is the one that just has three bands. So you have three different Q settings per band. Uh, yeah, and a boost. So, well, let me, you know, let me clarify because I think it depends on where you're putting something like that in the chain. So, yes. if you're using, presumably, if it's a pedal like that, you're putting that in front. Like, yeah, I guess. So you, you, you're sculpting the tone, the way it's going to hit the input of the amp um, or your other pedals in your chain. So it's it's going to have a different effect than like the output of everything when yes. it, effectively doing like what you're going to do on a mixing console or in Pro Tools or whatever. That's the sort of stuff where, again, yeah, just to clarify my statement before we move on to that yeah. pedal, because um, you just never know. Like you can't account if you if you're trying to sculpt tone to make like your sound like holistically work for the way you hear it that's one thing to make it work in the context of other instruments and vocals and stuff it's just a different thing so yeah if you're yeah. if it's a consistent thing like you know you're doing the same gig in the set with ears and stuff every week or every day maybe that's yeah. one thing um but i don't know i'm i'm not really I'm not really that into that. Even though, like, the wall of sound plugin, the two notes thing, it's got all that stuff built into it. It's like, I mean, could do, but just, you'll probably just use an EQ when you, like, afterwards when you're doing yeah, stuff exactly. with it. exactly. High, exactly. low pass filters are different. And also, quickly, Angus's tip, we talked about this before, the high, yeah. uh, low pass filter, like, way down at five kilohertz, which in a million years, I never would have thought to do that. But I did that on my matchless setting at the moment, my HX Stomp. And on that one, man, huge difference. It's great. Hey, like I've got it on the FM3 now and it's like, it's, I think I had the, you know, the low pass at 6,500 Hertz or something, Mm -hmm. but yeah, just taking it all the way down. You're like, oh yeah, it's just taken off that like clicky stuff at the top that can get really annoying when you're really loud. Yeah. It's hard, man. It's hard to reconcile what sounds good and what you think you should do from years of experience. It's, um, (laughs) 
forgetting that with a lot of the digital technology and the models and stuff, man, it's a completely new world, really. It's completely different. So, yeah. you know, you can do that. But said, it, coming from even the, the traditional, you know, people mixing electric guitars, and of course you do yeah. this a million different ways, but you high pass or you low pass or whatever. Usually, if you read, oh, how do you, how would you low pass a guitar, for example? Oh, 10 kilohertz, 8 kilohertz, never go more than <laughs> that. It's like, well, better not do that if that's what, right? For example, I'm fairly certain, and I don't want to get my information wrong, but um, the guys that did like the Paramore Riot album, I, there's like a huge amount of information on that. And I love those oh, guitar cool. sounds. This is got dating back 15 something years. So I would have read probably on their, the way they did their guitars, like, oh, high pass it at 80 hertz and um, low passed it at, at eight kilohertz. I'm like, well, sounds good on those amps. Better do it. But then you got to go like, well, that's for a like high, highly like produced, mixed like pop punk album versus like me playing through an active Behringer wedge at a gig. It's like yeah. slightly different, <laughs> yeah, slightly different uh, circumstances. <laughs> playing so, through one speaker, yeah, in a courtyard. It's very different, but it's man. As I said, it's hard to it's hard to reconcile that. So, um, sorry, can we just um, stick on the Friedman just for a minute before you go on to that? Yeah, yeah. Um, because just before we jumped on, you said people were bitching and moaning about no XLR on it. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I was watching the Tone Talk chat, and as as you would expect, there's every possible. And, you know, I understand this as an end user. It's like, I see this thing and I want to use it a particular way. Can it do A, B, C, or D? But it's marketed as a direct solution and there's so much, oh, can I, how do, How would I run this in front of a deluxe reverb tone master? Yeah. That doesn't have an effects loop or something. It's like, well. Don't. <laughs> don't. Yeah, it's probably not the probably not the right product for you, which is a, that's a whole other thing of, you know, when stuff comes out, everybody <clears throat> There's a difference between, you know, it's fine to be critical. I'm, I try to be critical with gear. I demo gear basically for a living now. So part of my brain is always like, what's the best thing about this? What's the worst thing about it? But you have to contextualize those criticisms where it's like this Friedman thing, right? It's if you've got a Helix and you use everything in the Helix and you've got this wicked rig for playing on in-ears at church, Obviously, this isn't for you. Yeah. This is for people, this is for cavemen who have expensive amps who sometimes can't take their amp with them or sometimes can't play the amp loud, yeah. you know? You go down into your man cave when your kids are in bed and you can't turn your three BE100s on in your wet-dry, wet rig. So you just plug headphones into this and the experience is very comparable and it sounds really good and you're happy, mm. you know? That's... That's kind of the vibe. Uh, and it's, so it's made for a specific use case. It's not going to do everything. Yeah. Man, I, I just thought like man, that with a, um, an H9 or something, or, or H90 in the loop. Man, you'd basically... <laughs> Troy, although, is that a stereo... What do you think I'm about to film a video with? <laughs> <laughs> is it a stereo loop in or is it mono? Mono. Ooh. So that's... That's, that's and a it, There's only a mono output uh, for the direct out, but... Oh, okay. You know, I imagine in a situation where you take that and gig with it, most people running sound are going to have, most venues are going to have DI boxes. Yep. You know, I, so. I think my so only, the only O, like unfortunate O is um, because it's got a headphone output on it. The fact that you yeah. can't insert that in the loop and get your big stereo. So that's, I mean, if that's really important to you, you just buy a separate ha headphone output. You'd be able to sort that out. It wouldn't be that difficult. But it would be, yeah. That, 
Same thing with the Tonex pedal. It's like it's got a headphone out. The Tonex pedal has reverb, uh, which which makes sense. Like you chuck that on, but yeah, that's one of the compromises on it. Yeah. Uh, but but you, yeah, the I mean, with an H90, that's a it's a Bradshaw rig for. It's everything you need. Like really, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. I, I like because I'm always trying to think uh, when new product, products like this come out. Um, it, what would suit me to do the Dockers games? Yeah. Because I'm still taking the AX8. I I do have the Amp Academy, which I uh, still never took out. I've tried it because I actually quite like the headphone plug-in. Oh, what's, yes. sorry, the, what's it called? The the jack. Anyway, you know what it, what, what it is, but the, the thing you just plug directly into your guitar. And the, you plug the auxiliary in, yeah. Yeah, that thing sounds pretty good. Um, oh, uh, you're thinking of the Mighty Air. Is it the Mighty Air? Whatever, Something yeah, the air? thing that it's literally just like, it's a thing about yay big and you plug your guitar, you plug it into your guitar and then headphones into that. Oh, so, the Mighty Plug. Mighty Plug, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, so good. Yeah, those things sound really great. Um, but yeah, I was sort of thinking like, oh, because it's, it's, all this stuff <coughs> is so much smaller than taking an AX8, I can just chuck it in the backpack. Um, is anything like that going to suit me better? Um, but I just haven't pulled the trick, like... On the one hand, I like I like stuff. I like new things and new toys. But if something works and has worked consistently for a long time, I'm hesitant to change it. Um, you know what, Troy? This is just percolated into my consciousness, and we're going to call we're, this is going to be the name of the episode. So much stuff out there. You know what they are? They're solutions in search of a problem. Yeah, yeah. Like there is a lot of that. There is a lot of that. You know uh, this. This is a solution for a problem for someone who doesn't want to use a modeler. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they like tubes and they like high-end amps. That's, that's, this is for you, you know. Some other stuff out there, sometimes you're like, yeah, uh, what's okay. Outside of the tubes, like, because, I mean, I mean, that has real tubes in it, but what's probably the next most comparable product? Because, like, TC's got those new pedals. I guess they're a bit different still. Um, yeah, like uh, probably the two notes. What is it? The Revolt? Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. tried those. I haven't really looked into them too hard, but they look pretty cool. I, do they have tubes? Let's I have a look. I think so. I'm pretty sure they do. Let's have a look in real time. Are you on OBS? Uh, yeah. You could screen share. I am on OBS. I could screen share this, yeah, but then, uh, you know. You don't want people seeing your tabs, do you? I don't know, mate. The, the three tabs that I have open because <laughs> total tangent, but I am definitely a person who's like, if I have more than two tabs open, I get anxious. If really? I have more than like two unreplied emails in my inbox. Oh, I need to snooze them more. I love that feeling of an empty inbox. Um, I have uh, 21,981 unread emails. And this is, th th these are the two types of people. Yeah. And this just goes to show that, you know, the, the world is a complicated place <laughs> and everybody should just get on, whether you're an empty inbox person or a 21,000 full yep. inbox person. But yeah, probably the revolts, uh, which obviously have a few other sounds in them. But, you know, uh, like Friedman have built their brand on, you want this one great thing? Here it is. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, that, like really appreciate that. I've, I don't want to like feel like I'm pumping anyone up too much, but I do appreciate the limitation in sound. Sometimes I think yeah, you can do so much without having. I mean, fire. I'm talking to Mr. AxeFX over here, and I'm an AxeFX user and a, a Helix user and all this sort of stuff. But you do get that like option paralysis, and sometimes you just like. To, like just want to plug in and play guitar so it, it is a yeah it is helpful um, and the other thing is there's a really important point when you have something with limited options it makes you do certain things it makes you dial in sounds a certain way that you may not otherwise mm -hmm. so 
for example, last night I brought this up and I was like, you know, someone probably left a comment like, oh, it sounds so much better than the Fractal. And I was like, oh, yeah, you can tell that from a video that doesn't compare them. Awesome. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, I never use the Friedman models in the Axe. Mm -hmm. They're awesome. So I was like, okay, I'm going to dial in this IRX thing with my IR in there. Got it sounding the way I liked it. Pretty cool. Fired up the Freeman models in the Yaks, and I was like, cool, which one's going to sound the closest to the settings I have on there? So, Troy, in the in the Fractal Freeman BE version 3, mm -hmm. basically the same settings. All I had to do was, I matched the settings. All I had to do was turn the depth on the model down a bit. Okay. And it basically sounded exactly the same. Well, I was like, ah, oh, I never turn the depth down on those models in the Yaks. They're normally at about five. Turn mm -hmm. it down to about two or three. And I was like, there it is. That's the sound that I like. I have now learnt something about how these amp models work, which is a powerful thing. Yeah. Now I know how to dial them in better. Could you, uh, because we did c catch up and we were talking about stuff the other day, you said something I thought which was really interesting about the Axe, which was the uh, taper on the volume control, or the master volume on the Axe FX. Can you just share yes. that with the listeners really quick? <laughs> yeah. So I, one interesting thing about the Fractal stuff, and I think it's a real strong point, is they take the time to measure the pot tapers on the specific amps that they're modeling, right? Which is cool because when you're dialing in a JCM 800 and you're used to playing JCM 800s, you want to set the knobs in a certain starting point, as you well know, Troy, mm -hmm. uh, or you uh, mark series boogie, you turn the bass all the way down, treble all the way up, good starting point. So it, it does that, but they've got, you know, they've got that headroom meter mm -hmm. on there to tell you like if the power amp is close to saturating. One thing that I found is, and I, suspect is that that's like an idealized taper. Uh, so okay. that's the one thing. And it's the one thing that took me the longest to realize is, you know, you have the master volume in the amp model, but then the amp block has a level control. Yep. So if you want to just make things more, more loud, you use the level control, but the master volume will affect the tone. So yep. it's, but having said that, it's pretty accurate on like the recto models and stuff like that. We set it to about two, basically you have to listen. Yeah. So I was trying to match my Soldano and I would put all the knobs in the same place and it was really close, but like the real amp felt like bouncier. Mm -hmm. It was this real annoying thing. I was playing the A string. I was like, it just feels bouncy. Uh, why is it doing? I was, you know, deep diving on the model. And then I was like, oh, maybe if I just turn the master volume down, because, uh, you know, on the amp you hit about six and that's when it just like lights up yep. and you're like, there it is. So I was like, I'm just going to do that on the model and find the point where it, you know, you have the onset of awesomeness. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was like just a little bit lower. So that's caught know. me on the, um, well, yeah, when I was using the AX8 a lot more to dial tones in for gigs, um, the master volume caught me more often than not in that where it was set to by default on a certain amp was always not where I wanted it to be set. It was always like either a little loud, oh, usually a little loud or cranked up. Yeah, a bit, yeah. Which, um, um, yeah, that, that was a bit of a pain. Um, but just sorry, before we move on, um, you got my Marshall at the moment. Have you had, had much of a blast on it? Yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, really, really good. I don't want to... We should just do an episode on it okay. uh, because Jason did such an amazing job. But yeah, pretty much everything you said, I agree with. And all the settings that you'd marked on there, I was like, yep, this is pretty much pretty much it. It's just, man, just stock. It's an awesome stock yeah. amp. You know, the mods on it are cool. And I like that they're switchable, but far out, man, it's just... Yeah, I'm looking, forward to, sound. I'm looking forward to when Jason puts a video out about it because um, I did a little demo video of it, a demo of it a couple of weeks ago for him, which, you know, I, I said this to you, but because I, I don't do amp demos, so I was hell self-conscious about it. 
but um, I finally sent it off and, you know, he, uh, he was happy and he'll chuck it in the video. Awesome. But um, he gets such good martial sounds and really knows how to dial it in that even after I, I recorded it, I listened back and like, and I, I listened back to his, I'm like, man, is this actually good enough to send to Jace? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's such a- Well, here's the thing. And I left a comment on one of his recent videos because it's like, man, it's so underrated. He's a great player. Yeah. And he dials in great sounds. And he understands how the amps work. Like he's he's a demigod walking the earth, you know. <laughs> like I had this moment where I was watching him play. I was like, bro, you're sick at guitar as well and the sound's so good and that you've just spent 25 minutes explaining in depth how the mods work. Like yep. this is what YouTube was made for. Yep. Like this is so good, good you know. part of YouTube. He's 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 got the he's got the triforce of skills right there. So Well, yeah. I'll, I'll just say quickly Shout on that Jason. because Love you, man. Yeah, like I uh, after well about a week ago, um, well I got caught watching his live stream two weeks in a row, which was unfortunate because it was two hours of talking about amps and you know on a Friday morning. So I show up to the studio again to do some work and get distracted. Uh -huh. um, but I'd intended to re-record this video for him, and um, you said know, got distracted, but cranked it up again, had a bit of a play, and um, I was playing with the master volume on it. Of which on my Marshall, and as we, we, we can talk about this in another episode, but I'll quickly just say this now. Um, I, on my Marshall, I marked like three settings, like low, medium, and pain. The pain level was like when it started to sound the best, but it was like pretty up there. Um, but it was only at about 11 o'clock roughly on, on the amp. And I, like I'd push it past that and was okay, but I didn't like love it uh, in, in the past. But I marked these settings like in 2014, like when I first got the amp. Yeah. So anyway, um, when I'm playing this amp last week, I was like, oh, I wonder if I can get a little bit something different out of it. I was cranking it up, cranking it up, and I, I did some, um, I recorded some little clips of it so I could tell. So I got it to 1.30, I'm like, oh, it's kind of interesting. It, it actually just smooths out a little mm. bit at the top. It's a, it's saggier, but it, you know, because of what he's done to it, it's not exactly how it was, you know, nine years ago. So I've, yep. it's worth experimenting with this, this sort of stuff. Pushed it, I pushed it to 2.30, I pushed it to 3.30. Like I cranked it up quite a bit and it it did change a lot. And I quite liked it around maybe two, like two o'clock on the master volume, but it was loud, man. It's it's probably too loud. Um, and I went back to my normal positioning and still kind of like it there, but it was, yeah. it was interesting. But anyway, cool. I said to Jace, like, you know, I told him about this and I ended up setting the original video anyway, but I was like, just out of interest because I never, I, I don't remember what he said about this on the channel where do you set the master volume on a Marshall? Like, where do you personally like it? He's like, oh, 11 o'clock. I'm like, yeah. well, there you <laughs> Just, go. It's, um, there you go. There's a, there's a reason these things are, you, that we arrive at these similar conclusions, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, we need to do an episode about that amp because yeah. it's it's so awesome. Yeah, we'll move on. Um, Sorry, everybody. What was I talking about? Parrot EQ. Yeah, this Parrot is EQ. awesome. I've also got their distortion pedal, the Heavy Menace. Awesome. Man, I di distortion pedals are good now. <laughs> you know, like that's all I can say. Like the there's a three-way gain switch and a foot switchable gate that's really good. Oh, wow. And you can set the mid frequency and it's like a three-band active EQ, but there's also this weight control, so like a tight control, mm -hmm. which, yeah, I mean, you can make it go chugga-chugga-chug, but you can also get the kind of like... Uh, one thing I really liked about like the, or the Origin Revival Drive it's like you can kind of do like that saggy Sabbathy thing with it, mm -hmm. and yeah, the weight control in there. So that's hopefully next week I'll have some videos up with these two, and awesome. you know, you run the parametric EQ before it or after it, 
vastly different results. Uh, the other thing, which just quickly on before you get onto that, that para EQ is that the thing that uh, Nielsen demoed a little while ago to get that like Nuno esque, because you know he, he there was I, I can't remember which pedal it was, but he did one where. He was comparing, uh, uh, trying to get like a Nuno sound. You know how Nuno used the um, the Furman, yes. or Michael Wagner yep. used the Furman. Is no, that- he had the um, the Master Effects oh, EQ okay. from Hell. So that's like the Furman style thing. Gotcha. I'm sure you can do similar things with this. Right. Um, yeah. So that's pretty. And yeah, the Heavy Menace is interesting. Like I, you know, just like I'm not a someone who uses a distortion pedal as part of my main rig, but yep. I'm coming to appreciate. That if you've got like a Fender amp and you want gain yep. and you want it to do different things, like that's a legit thing. So yeah, it's really really interesting having the the mid control. I did a demo video for a it's like a deluxe HM2 thing um, uh, from Germany. So if I can pronounce the name, it's Lichtheim Audio from Germany, and I'm just going to refer to them as the the guy who makes them. This guy Dan, man, they have some like sick stuff and like. Lots of people are just doing HM2 clones, but it's mm-hmm. like, okay, it's a HM2 clone and then you've got parametric mids and you've got a presence control and you've got a gate and you've got an effects loop on it oh. and you've got a modern mode on there. It's like, it's pretty amazing because um, the HM2 is a great fuzz. If you want to do like Pink Floyd stuff, it's a really cool, really, really cool fuzz. So uh, yeah, that was, playing around with that, like you can get some just really good meaty crunch tones out of it and obviously do the chainsaw thing and yeah that that was another really really cool pedal um yeah so talking about a glut of good sounding things i feel like you know it just used to be like distortion pedals they just kind of sounded crap you know they were fine if you wanted something that wasn't clean but you were <laughs> never super happy with them it's like amp distortion was always better whereas now you got stuff that's like yeah you can chuck this on your pedal board and it kind of works yeah, I'm still a. I don't hate distortion pedals, but it's not my thing. It, I don't get the same satisfaction out of playing them as I do um, playing with a distorted amp or whatever, a fairly overdriven amp. But you know, it's no. Not that they're bad. I just I struggle. I just struggle to get this very specific. Like it's a feel thing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's the, the bounciness. Bounce. Do you yeah. say the bounce? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, the, the revival drive. I must say is one pedal that because they actually have, uh, you know. It's got a it's got a load in it, so they've got a oh, okay. part of the circuit that's like the power amp part of the circuit, and then a little load, and you can disable it or enable it. But yeah, that's a that's pretty cool. And the the heavy menace is yeah, I'm I'm pretty impressed as well. What else do I have to show you here, Troy? Show me. Oh, so I I don't know if the video will be up with this, but got a super ego. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Warren. It's it does that thing really really well. I went and caved and bought a V2 dig as well. Um, because I sold you my my dig. Yeah, you did. And I love that pedal. And you love that pedal. It's awesome. But yeah, the I was playing around with the Brig, which has MIDI on it, and you can save presets and a uh, yeah, yeah. whole bunch of stuff. And yeah, I was just like, I think the Dig's my favorite delay pedal. Right. Oh, <laughs> so mate, you should have said that. You could have, you know, I don't use it all the time. So, oh, just, man, it's like. It's in the toy library. Ha- oh, it's on my board, having, actually. Having presets on it is a bonus. So yeah. I've like, there's four or five sounds I really like from it. Like, there's yes, a but it doesn't sound pong. like the original Leon. Oh well, Troy, we'll have to do a comparison. <laughs> we'll have to my, yeah, mate, minutely shoot it out. Let's for do no a comparison, reason. mate. We'll just whip them out. Uh, one is slightly more pink than the other. The end. 
Uh, <laughs> speaking of Strymon, though, uh, they put out a Univibe. Nice. Uh, so That's very cool. Ultraviolet. I really like this small form factor they're doing. Uh, I've, I've tried all of them now because I came out with the Cloudburst and one of my students, uh, shout out to Stuart, um, was, who is over East, he was like, oh, hey, I'm coming to, per- I'm coming to WA for a holiday. I'm going to send you my Cloudburst and I'll just pick it up from you when I'm in town. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool, the Strymon Reverb. We know they're good. But, yeah, that thing legitimately does something that no other, like, shimmery reverb thing okay. does. Uh, I think it must be using resynthesis or something because- Like, different to the, like, Big Sky, do you mean, or just like that? Yeah, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a traditional shimmer. It's, it right. sounds like that there's a synth engine hmm. happening, kind of like, you know, kind of like the Super Ego where it samples your sound and resynthesizes it. I don't know what they're doing with it, but, yeah, it's, it's really- That's a really cool pedal, and it's so small. Hmm. Uh, and then with this- I was like, oh, why? who cares about this form factor with a Univibe, but it's stereo in and out. So, oh, right. Yeah, you're not going to like, I think it's dual mono, but it, it's not going to wreck the your stereo image if you want to run it anywhere on the board. And there's, I mean, it's got chorus and vibrato, but there's like a blend mode on there, which is more subtle. And there's a bias switch. So do you know how, do you know what a Univibe is and how, what's special about it? I don't think so. Tell so me. it's a phaser. Okay. It's a four-stage four phaser, but it uses photocells. So, oh, right. So an opto. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, and, you know, like, obviously, because of the way light works, yep. <laughs> um, the the swing in the LFO, mm-hmm. like, the LFO swings in a particular way, but then you get, like, lag as it sort of the photocells right. power up and power down. So, yeah, you just end up with, like, a kind of unique waveform. I don't know. It sounds lumpy, but it sounds like they've replicated that very, very well. Uh, there's a few other Univibe style things. I actually can't talk about it at the moment because they're not released. But uh, yeah, I, I think this month on my channel is just going to be like Univibe. Univibe month. Yeah, nice. There's there's a few there's a few plugins I've been checking out that do it pretty well and some more hardware stuff. So yeah, that's that's pretty sick. You should draw Man. a little uh, like color in between your eyebrows as well. Just Unibrow, Univibe. Yeah, the there you go. Unimonth. Hey, just if for I one had month a signature year. Univibe pedal, it would be called the Unibrow. <laughs> did you ever pluck your eyebrows like in the middle? Did you get, did you get hairy eyebrows like in there? <laughs> Mate, I am a caterpillar incarnate when it comes there. Like there's so, or I'm constantly doing it. Yeah, right. I, you may or may not remember, <laughs> but I shaved my eyebrows at of university. Of course I remember, Leon. Of course. Yeah, that was- Wait, uh, did you shave them off completely? You just went like, you put lines in there. Which one was it? I, I put lines in there, but at one stage I shaved them off. Yep. Good on you, that. mate. So yeah, there's Lee- a photo. There's a photo that exists on the internet of me with like ching, 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 ching. Yeah. Do you know what's funny is like, there's probably not a lot of people that have seen you without a beard. Yeah. that's. I mean, my wife hadn't seen me without a beard for the first couple of years we were to, like, we, it was after we got married. It was her birthday in 2016 when I just woke up in the morning and I was like, oh, I'm going to shave my beard. That'll be funny. <laughs> and she laughed so hard she cried. Yep. And uh, then you- He's got the voice. And, and that, and yeah, and that's the last time. Uh, also, <clears throat> you asked about this and you oh, haven't I seen it. And I haven't done a, I need to do an in-depth video with this, but this is back and Whoa. it's all new and improved nice. and slick. I and thought that's what it was, some- but is that your logo on the back of it? It is. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. That was uh, 
I got an, a really, really lovely letter from them as well, and that was a, kind of a surprise. So I won't talk too much about it. I'll talk about it in the specific videos, but it's got humbuckers, which mm-hmm. I, I liked the mini hums before, but full-size humbuckers I'm really digging. And it's got the freeway, so it's a six-way. Like you have okay. your traditional Les Paul on one, and then you've got another three positions up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, and the... Yeah, it's it's it, this is this thing is insane. It's uh, and it's got those luminlay side dots. Oh, cool! So, yeah, it's talk about that more in a little bit. But that's it's exciting. Really, really impressive, man. I'm like the f- so the when they sent me that guitar, it was the third one they had ever made. All oh, right, and it was really, really good. Uh, and then basically we we were chatting. It was kind of like they were like we've we've changed some things about how we make the guitars, like send it back and we're going to like we'll we'll bring it up to current specs so yeah it's um like the fretwork on it man is it's crazy is it fully carbon fiber so it's uh yeah there's no wood on this now so the fretboard's rich light as well okay um yeah and it's like stainless frets it's 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 a space shuttle guitar yep nice so we're we're going up to barrel island uh at the end of october so i'm just going to like I'm going to put that in a soft bag and fly with it because it's fine. It's yep. not going to move, you know. It's probably not going to break either. So that's um, that's going to become the kind of the, the probably the main like fly dates, you know, whenever we do East Coast and mm-hmm. regional stuff here. So pretty excited about that. Uh, I feel like I have just gone through, oh, this is cool. So this isn't new. It's new to me, but uh, oh, shout yeah. out to, to Rack Daddy. Brian Hook uh, for sending this over. That's it's so a awesome. MIDI remote controller for the PCM70. And it's really cool because yep. having rack gear with small menus is really annoying to use on that. You just yep. like the old, uh, the Larks or whatever they had yeah, for the yeah. 224s. I'm surprised there isn't a software editor for that, like a browser-based one. Uh, I feel like there is. Did you it's try that one thing. for the ADA? Because there is one. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it didn't work all the time, but when it worked, it was fine. It was yeah. kind of like, kind of cool. Yeah, I like that people have, like just nerds are just doing it. Cause people care, not? man. Yeah. Um, I was chatting chatting to somebody about the ADA chorus and mm-hmm. uh, putting it into pedal form. And I, I was like, you need to talk to Marshall JMP. Oh, yep. So the man, the myth, the legend. They're probably not listening to this, but uh, yeah, anyone sh- who used to be on ADA Depot, Still the nicest place on the internet. Yeah, we should try and get them on the show. Um, yeah, I will say that'd be there that'd was, be really cool. There was um, to go back a little bit in our conversation. I remember there was a, a thread on ADA Depot that I read, like you know, over fifteen years ago. Let's just say it's probably. But the um, the user on there had dialed in their ADA settings according to what it sounds like when it's mic'd up with an SM57. Oh, wow. Which I thought was like really weird and, in, and kind of interesting. Um, and their reasoning being that when it's mic'd up at a gig, it's going to sound awesome without having to do any work. Yeah, that's very clever. I sort of also don't agree with the methodology of it because if you're standing on stage, I mean, you dial in the app to sound the best through your cabinet and your speaker and where you're standing. Like the, there has to yeah, be a compromise yeah. for, for all of those things. Like um, <laughs> listening to uh, Jason's... Um, 
live stream and they were, you know they're talking about Nuno's guitar sound and how like he sets the DSL. Shh, it, shh, shh, shh. I'm talking. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's just like you know Nuno apparently if you uh, EQ his guitar then you're fired sort of thing. It's like okay you could do that but how where where you and I Leon where we saw extreme in Perth at the very far back of a theater like how is that how is what he hears on stage and what we hear at the back of the theater the anywhere near the same sound you know you you eq and you you work for the, an environment and it's not only in one position um anyway i, I just don't really understand that but oh well whatever how uh, many acoustic ballads have you topped the charts with though troy <laughs> mate Look, fair enough. You know, I really smacked one of my students. I made a comment like that the other day. Jay, you know, you know what I said. I, I, I feel bad about it. I'll leave. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's okay. Sometimes he listens, it needs to be so. said. Um, I <laughs> look. <laughs> have you ever made one of your students cry? Uh, I don't think so. Have you? Uh, I feel like I've done it plenty of times through sheer incompetence. But I, I had this one guy, and like, really really clever kid, like smart kid, you know, just had it all going for him. And he kind of made this offhanded comment about, you know, basically like how much he loves guitar, but, you know, it was actually probably a responsible thing. He's like, oh, yeah, I really like guitar. I really want to go out and like do it. But, you know, I've got other things going on in my life. And I was like, mate, you're 20. What a crap excuse. Like your (laughs) life is happening right now sort of thing. Like, do you want to do this? Then like have the balls to go and do it. Right. Um, you know, you've like, it was basically like, okay, I've heard this 30 times now. <laughs> Why don't you just go do it, bro? Like, you know, you're old enough to do it. Uh, it's sort of like, you've got all the resources, you've got sick gear, you know, you've got time. And uh, yeah, I think the, I think the kind of, it, it clearly hit home where it was sort of like, he was like, yeah, yeah, actually you have a point sort of thing. So uh and I was like, you know, that's fine. And that student nothing- was Nuno Betancourt. That student was Nuno Betancourt, and they went on, <laughs> they went on to invent the Apollo missions to the moon. <laughs> no, but you know, I think it it was basically like, hey, okay, cool. This has clearly hit a, an important nerve, and uh, you know, if you're a man, it's totally fine to cry. There is nothing emasculating about it. Man, um, I was sometimes sometimes it's an important way to process things that happen in your life, and you know. It, it can be healthy. I was uh, watching Bluey yesterday morning and crying, and then I decided to look up the saddest episodes of Bluey, and I read that and started crying reading that, and oh. then I watched one of them, but didn't cry as much as I thought I would. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, whoever wrote the whoever wrote the article is soft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good show. I mean, it's 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 a funny thing, hey, because it's sort of like, oh yeah, now nah, blokes don't cry, but then you know, like who was it, Toby Green? I was going to say like, Toby Green cried. Man, like he's like the hardest player out there, you know, like, and if that to me is just a sign of like, bro, you left it all out there. You're lost by a point. Yep. Shit happens. I remember that. I remember having like playing specifically playing football and like, you know, you, you use up all that kinetic energy and kind of that's the only way you can process what's going on. You know, you just like, even like, I feel like we won a game once and I was still just like wrecked and i was like man why am i i was like 14 you know why am i having feelings but yeah it's a it's a real thing uh you know sometimes 
The other thing that gets me sometimes is, you know, when you have a guitar sound that's so good and it makes you so happy, this is like a once every six months thing to me. I'll be playing and I'll just be like, oh, oh, this is just so good. This is so awesome. You get emotional about it. Mm -hmm. That's a cool feeling. Or sometimes you're on stage and I don't know, yeah, for me, I don't sing, but sometimes you're playing a guitar solo and you're like, oh, here it comes. Here's the feeling. This is what I used to feel like all the time and now I'm dead inside, but I'm going to enjoy it for the 45 (laughs) seconds it lasts. I I used to work with a singer that um, while they were singing one of their songs would burst into tears quite often. Um, Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, But yeah, I don't know if if my own guitar playing or guitar sounds have made me cry. I'm trying to think if if it has or not. Um, You're obviously not using heavy enough string gauges, then Troy. <sighs> that mate, I'm, I'm on the I'm on the sevens because that's what Rick Beato told me to use. So um, that's probably what the problem was. Exactly, exactly. Oi, there's a man who has definitely made some of his students cry. <laughs> Bit of a yeah. Who do you want to be? You want to be Ron Barassi, or do you want to be? Uh, what's the opposite of Ron Barassi? Um, Clarko. No, 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 no. Clarko would spray. Like who's the oh. who's a loving caring coach? Oh, a loving, caring coach. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, oh. who's going to give you a big hug? Oh, um, who's going to give you a fags, bro? Fags will give you a big hug. Oh, he looks. He gets fired up. Bob Murphy. Yeah. Like, oh, you know coach, who would bro. give you a hug, but it would be disingenuous. Bevo. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm anyway. done with Bevo. We've we've been talking about all these, you know, modern masculine properties you can have. He's someone who gets a bit too sentimental. It's like, it's fine. It's fine to look out for your players, Bevo, but. <clears throat> don't turn, don't talk about Shea Guevara in the preseason, <laughs> like you, like upper middle class sports person. You know, like that's that's the CTE kicking in. <laughs> uh, who, yeah, caring coach. I, I reckon, I reckon Simo would, you know, begrudgingly like, mate, come and sit down. Or oh, did you watch the Corey McKernan back chat? No, I haven't watched it yet. Is it good? Oh, it's What's up with his good, fingers? Man. Did he talk about yeah. it? They're like, uh, they're literally, they're doing this, but it's like the two middle ones permanently at this joint. Like, you know what that is? That's Ruckman stuff. Yeah, it's too many spoils. I, I used to teach bass to a ex, the ex Subiaco Ruckman um, mm. and his kids, and they're the most lovely, lovely people. Um, and he, yeah, he just had one of his fingers on his left hand was just like, it was, it was shaped <laughs> like that, like a Tetris uh, brick. <laughs> yeah, basically, like a Tetris brick. And I was like, what happened? He was like, yeah, I was just in the ruck. And uh, the other ruckman just grabbed my hand and just like twisted my finger. And basically, he's like, the doctors were like, it's at the stage where you can either leave it or you can cut it off, but you can't fix it. Yep. Wait, he's like, would rather still have the finger. Just, um, I'll just say it, like, sorry, everybody who doesn't care about um, AFL, but Leon, do you want to just tell everybody Daniel Chick and his finger? Oh, oh, I, um, you've got a be- better memory for this. So I'll just throw it to you. I'm, if you want to I'm tell gonna the story. make sure. So for anyone unfamiliar, um, with AFL, West the best Eagles sport in all of the world worth watching grand final this weekend. Uh, so what happened here? Daniel, basically heart likes, but you know, basically won the, uh, Eagles, the grand final in 2006. Well, yeah, Maybe. pretty much. So if anybody wants to know what we're talking about, go and look up AFL Grand Final 2006 highlights. And there's a man who is called Daniel Chick and he performs a manoeuvre called a smother. And the smother is kind of like the pinched harmonic of football. 
if you can do smothers good, people think you're sick. Yep. And especially in like junior football, I, I used to try to smother all the time. Uh, so someone goes to kick the ball, but you put your hands over it and stop the ball going where it was meant to go. It's like a block in so, basketball, but someone's kicking the ball instead. Yeah, but someone, an elite athlete who's probably 90 kilos and over 180 centimetres, six foot, is kicking the ball as hard as they can. And you put your hands between where the ball's going and their foot. So, yeah, like a block. So, anyway, Daniel Chick performs this manoeuvre and then the AFL's great swingman, Adam Hunter, runs onto the ball, kicks a goal, and the Eagles win the grand final by a very tiny margin. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, so basically, what is it like? So, but, yeah, Daniel Chick, uh, hard. He is a hard man. A hard man, indeed. And, uh, yeah, basically, he what was he had an injury or something with his ring finger on one of his hands and they were like we confuse the joint but it will make it immobile and you need that to like handle the football so he just had it amputated yeah just had it cut off like just was like well i I still want to have a successful football career chop it off yep not another question asked about it see you later so that was in 2002 yeah so he he kept dislocating it but i'm pretty sure he had it chopped off and then it was like a week later he went and played it was yeah, like, yeah. no big deal. Or it might have even been that week. They were like, they gave him that option, like, no, nah, chop the finger off. I don't want to play, you know, if it was on his left hand, he wants to, like, play some Ingvar Malmsteen, maybe he would have kept it. But, you know, maybe he wants to play yeah. some Sabbath. He just doesn't care. Exactly. Exactly. Um, man, they're like, just on that, and maybe the last thing we talk about today, Tony Iommi not having fingertips. I know it gets talked about, but it doesn't get talked about enough because that's ridiculous. Like, have you actually seen close-ups of him playing and how he uses those thimbles? Not really. Go on, like, there was, I was watching something, it was like how to play, you know, there's just a thing. One, he's like the most humble dude. He's just talking about like, oh, yeah, you know, in Sabbath, (laughs) I just sort of came up with this and we did that and, you know, it is what it is. But you're like, yeah, you're just redefining how electric guitar works. But, yeah, man, he it was those middle fingers on there. So it's like when he bends, some bends he does with different fingers, but it's like, yeah, he like the way they're taped onto his hands kind of doesn't look very comfortable. Right. So <clears throat> I think he's just played through over 50 years of like compromising with it, yet, you know. It was like I saw the, a picture of that Indian guy that's had his like arm up in the air for like 70 or 80 or 90 years or something like that. Yeah. And it just looks like a, like a bone and his yeah. hands all mangled. So, I mean, he's not in any discomfort now because just being that's his entire life. So, yeah. I am the so same. So, he was 17. He lost the tips of his middle and ring, ring fingers on his right hand, which he plays with, <clears throat> in a sheet metal factory. Oh, that's that's horrific, man. And, like, then he just... So, what did he do? He should have just played homemade- right-handed, like played normal. Like, that would have been yeah. so much easier. The, ma- the the thimbles were made from old fairy liquid bottles, melted down, got a hot soldering iron, shaped it like a finger. What a mad dog. <laughs> like, what an absolute mad dog, you know, Iomi. Like, not only not only did you invent, like, and not only did you just, like, invent such a popular genre single-handedly. Yeah. Uh, I say this because I was teaching someone Symptom of the Universe today. They were trying to learn a Metallica song. And I was like, oh, if Metallica feels too hard, go and learn some Sabbath and particularly learn this one because this is where thrash metal was invented um, or Children of the Grave, C-sharp standard tuning. Mm-hmm. And it sounds it sounds chungus, you know, it's so big. So, uh, yeah, 
I'll, it's just what a what a fuck you to the doctors as well. Oh, you never play guitar again, bro. I'm going to be guitar. <laughs> say that again. Say it to my yeah. face. But and also, you know, he'd be the least confrontational guy. Go like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and using thin strings as well, you know. So yeah, yeah. Tone's Rick pretty sick, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Was well, there anything else you want to talk about there, Uncle Leon, or should we wrap him up for the, today? I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, oh that yeah, ox- a, there are a few other things. Yeah, like the UA effects, like they put the ox stuff in yeah. a pedal. Do you want to have a chat about that? So uh, when this came out, I was first like, Ugh. what is? You know, I was looking at the specs and I was like, but you can't save presets. You can have four presets on there that are foot switchable. Okay. So now I'm all on board with it because at yeah. first I thought it would be like the, I was like, say, say like the golden. It's my favorite reverb pedal. The plates sound amazing. The 224 hall is ridiculous. It's so good. But you have the settings mm-hmm. and then you can save one, you can save multiple presets to the app, but on the pedal, yep. you have like a favorite setting in there, right? So two presets, probably enough for that. How much reverb do you need? Mm-hmm. But when I saw that with the, um, the Ox Stomp, I was like, yeah, you can have, you know, it's got built-in plate reverb and compressors and lots of sick stuff in there. But oh, if you can only have the settings and then one preset. It's not very versatile, but you can have four presets. So. You know, I'll just say really quickly, because, you know, we message each other a lot. And there's times when I'll say, oi, have you checked out this thing? And you'd be like, nah, shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> you haven't really looked at it. And it's shit. Do you know, like, I'll give you an example of that. Do you remember the first time I asked you what Spotify was? You're like, nah, it's, it's fucked. <laughs> it's shit. Rubbish. Which it is, but not, <laughs> not for the reason. You're like... Yeah, it's like that I thing did, when it used to be on MSN, you could like like show people what you're listening to. Yeah, like, that's not I really used what it was. to. <laughs> I just didn't understand how it worked, and now music streaming <laughs> is everything, right? So, yeah, uh, you know what's hilarious, man, with the uh, Ox Stomp marketing materials. One of the photos is the Ox Stomp with a quad cortex, and the other is the Ox Stomp with an AX8. Oh, like. Things which have lots of built-in IRs. Well, I watched the Sweetwater demo. It was a Sweetwater? I think it was that. Uh, and yeah, they were trying it with an 11 rack. I think it was a Sweetwater. Yeah, interesting. Which that's, was, that's cool. Like, that's a cool way to do, to be like, hey, here's an old thing. But, and the, the shortcoming are the cabs. Ah, uh, oh, there's delay in it as well. Yeah, it's it's got some cool, cool features in it, I suppose. Um, hey, and again, something that for us... We'd probably be like, well, we can do that other ways. But if you've got one of their like, you know, their Ruby thing or something like that, and you want a few extra options, and again, it's modeling for people who don't want to do modeling. Yeah. Yeah. No MIDI is a shame. Like I feel that about their entire line of pedals. Like, you know, it's like Universal Audio have just decided that no one needs MIDI, so they don't need to do it. Um, same as like the interfaces, they're amazing, but you know, there's some really obvious things that you can't do with them. Mm. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, I do you want to love the Ox thing as a Unison plugin? Yes, I, that would be sick. I would, I would probably, immediately buy that. I would probably buy an Apollo as well. Again, to have that, that would be very useful. Do you want to? Um, do you want to talk about the dynamic IR thing? Or do you want to? <laughs> do s- I? I don't know. Do you? Or do you want to save that for another time? Well, look, it's like everyone has dynamic IR, right? So, like, what do you mean? Because an uh, an impulse response is by definition not dynamic. Uh, you know, this is my comic book guy cap that I'm putting on now. Well, actually, it can't be dynamic because it's an LTI system. I Leon study maths, you, everybody. Just rem- remember that. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of people listening to this who would have an engineering background. So, you know, they've sound engineer. Going, yeah. 
over here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, do you remember saying that you were studying sound engineering to my dad? No. Like did- maybe the first time you met him and he was like, I understand you're an engineer, man. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing sound engineering. He goes, that's not engineering. <laughs> I don't remember that, but yeah, that sounds like I distinctly remember that and just being like, why you like this? Uh, he's right, you know. Yeah, he's 100% correct. I'm studying sound but, guy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm studying mixing desk. Yep. Uh, yeah, anyway, that aside, obviously speakers and the way they interact with amplifiers, they are going to be non-linearities. For example, like the impedance, you have, you do have speaker compression and you do have drive from speakers. And as UA like to talk about cone cry, but they're like, they're edge cases. And probably the most important thing, which something like an AxeFX models, it has impedance modeling and speaker drive and speaker compression in the amp block. Mm-hmm. So you don't need it in the impulse response. So I'm curious, if UA are actually baking those things in, like if there's a, you know, when you, within the algorithms, if it's like, here's the part which models the nonlinear stuff that is going to happen in an, I won't say in a speaker, I'll say in an amp speaker system, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And I mean, I don't think you really are going to have many nonlinearities with the actual microphones themselves. You probably will with the channel strip stuff, right? You know, you're overdriving channel strips. So uh, in that case, saying it's dynamic IRs, if you're modeling the channel strips and you're modeling some of the like speaker compression and drive and things like that, then yeah. But a lot of other, it's not like those things aren't being modeled by other companies. Right. Is that my rant? Yeah, it might be. It was was good. I mean, yeah, it's something I feel like we discussed about five years ago as a general yeah. concept. Like, I think it was just in the case of like, right, when the amp's loud and this, like the speaker sounds one way, when it's quiet, the speaker sounds another way. So is any of that taken into account when making an IR? Like that was the basic question. And then you're like, cause you'd read some, something <laughs> about this, like around the same time. Cause this is, and this was yeah. originally when I said we should do a podcast and talk about this stuff. Um, yeah, and, took and four here and we are. Years. Uh, the papers, uh, it's an Italian guy, and I forget his name, but <laughs> like, yeah, actual academic research papers on speaker non-linearities. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I think the, you know, and people can feel free to disagree with me, but when your amp's hell loud, it's not like, it's not like there's a massive, like say a vintage 30, Maybe friend of the channel, John Brown, can do some tests and see if this is a thing. Uh, but the the difference in the way the speaker responds throughout the majority of its operational range, if you were to shoot an IR of that, it actually isn't going to change that much. Um, if you're <laughs> like, and a lot of the time it's just that loud sounds better because it's loud. But if you like account for normalization and things like that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's probably a point where it's too quiet and probably a point where it's too loud, but through that like very wide window, I think the, 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 and again, I use that kind of point of like edge cases. It's like, yeah, with small lamps, like, and especially, okay, say like AC30s with Celestian Blues, like, you know, you, you actually get to a point where because of the way the speakers are constructed and their handling capacity, like you probably are going to push them. So something like the Oxomp, if it's modeling that aspect of it, that's awesome. But, you know, for your like 
300 watt boogie cab with four 75 watt V30s in it and you're running a super high gain amp, that stuff is probably irrelevant. Just because you're not ever approaching that that limit to where it changes, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and But I mean, it's also kind of what UA do, like they're their pedal line is like, hey, it's EMT plates and vintage digital reverbs and spring reverbs and, you know, tape delays. You know, it's sort of like it is curated to that market that's interested in classic studio gear, basically, mm-hmm. right? So, and their plugins, like, you know, the LA2A comps and the 1176, it's like, here's all the standard stuff that you would have in studios, you know, yeah. that people love. That's It's not new and it's not innovative, but they're, they're utilities that kind of everybody uses. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, and, I still use And they're good, stuff, but yeah. you know. Um, no, it's, it's just interesting. It's, um, I hadn't, uh, well, okay, okay, just in general, I don't, care to read about this stuff at the moment <laughs> it's not it's not the thing that i'm obsessed about so maybe i'll get there again very soon but um i just thought it was interesting i hadn't seen that specifically discussed from their marketing material before i haven't used the ox like the the, <coughs> the uh amp box thing before have you tried one of those i actually haven't can you believe it i, I don't know how at this stage i haven't tried one yeah uh, they're but- still like pricey man like they're not just a easy, oh, just uh, run out and grab one. It's um, like over here, I think they're like two and a half grand or something Australian. So yeah, they're, they're a bit spendy, but like if they're good, they're good. That's awesome. I don't want to, I'm not, not trying to shit on that. Um, yeah. And look, I'm going to give them a shout out on here. I don't, I don't know if you uh, <clears throat> are aware of them, but uh, basically if you want to know anything about speakers, Jay Mitchell is the man. Uh, Jay designed the Atomic CLR and Jay is like a mythical creature that comes out on threads about IRs and speakers and is just, you know, like sometimes on like a forum, you're like, someone will sort of be like, oh, yeah, nah, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Jay's just like, just, it's constant mic drops with Jay. I love, love reading a thread that goes full Jay Mitchell. Yep. Uh, where, yeah, basically some of the testing Jay's done with speakers where it's like, you know, it kind of confirms this stuff where it's like, yeah, you've got to get to the point where the speaker's literally about to explode for all that nonlinear stuff to become important. Right. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to find this uh, impulse response paper and the person who wrote it. It is by Angelo Farina at the University of Parma. Um, hey, I like their... Mate. <laughs> I like their, their food. Bloody Angelo, you make a sweet Parma. <laughs> Palmy, mate. We're in WA. Don't, yeah, yeah, don't yeah, assault yeah. us. Chicken palmy. As long as, as, long as it's not Palmo. <laughs> uh, I am going to send you this, Troy, uh, because, yeah, the techniques used are pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, Angelo Farina. What was that? Uh, I, I, yeah, sorry. Just chicken palmy, chicken parma, chicken palmo. Palmo. <laughs> you know what it is? It's pizzo, piezo, piezo. Uh, anyway. Oh, my God. We, we should finish yeah. this episode, but- the abstract for this Farina paper is a novel measurement technique of the transfer function of weakly nonlinear approximately time invariant systems is presented. The method is implemented with low cost instrumentation is based on an exponentially swept sign signal. It is applicable to loudspeakers and other audio components, but also to room acoustic measurements. So yeah, this is from what year? 2000. So Troy, the exponential sign sweep, it was out there in research papers 
for capturing IRs and uh, kind of not an accident that by about the time the first Axe Effects came around, you know, 2005, that suddenly IRs are a thing. So mm -hmm. the market's maybe lagging five to 10 years behind <laughs> the right. cutting edge research. Interesting. Well, there you go. Hey, you know what? This is you know the what, stuff. Mate? This is the stuff why I was so excited that we would um, do a podcast, you know, months ago when we decided to do this. It's just interesting discussion. You know, when you came around the other day and we like stood out the front of my house, like leaning against my car yeah, while, yeah. while my children were inside, <laughs> like just running amok. <laughs> and we're just like, hey, Leon, let's just, let's go and uh, we'll just talk about, we'll just talk about gear. We'll talk about guitar gear, man. Yeah. It's a good idea. So yeah, it's good. I don't feel guilty about doing this, whereas I feel guilty about like not parenting. So hey, this is work, mate. You know we're working hard. We're working class men. <laughs> Everybody, go and listen to "Working Class Man" by Jimmy Barnes. You know, and just stare <laughs> silently into space while you do so. I'm learning. I've got to finally learn Kaysan for for this gig tomorrow as well. Um, it's, yeah, I've, I reckon I've probably played it a few times, but I just always cook it. That is all for today's episode of the podcast. If you want to catch some extra chat, you can uh, sign up to, I'll chuck it up on my Patreon or somewhere like that where you can have a good old chuckle. And uh, what are you up to this weekend, Troy? You're playing? I've got, so Albany tomorrow, um, and then I've got two gigs on Saturday and then Sunday off and then back to um, teaching on Monday, I believe. So Far out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty busy. Pretty much from now to the end of the year is, is quite busy. Um, which is very nice because uh, when I'm busy, I have money. And when I have money, I can buy toys. So You can um, buy briskets. I can buy briskets. That stuff's not cheap, man, but worth it. Worth it for the... And I, you know what I bought last week was I bought a, um, a little toaster oven to hold the brisket at approximately 150 degrees Fahrenheit overnight. Uh, didn't burn the house down as well. That was, that was very good. <laughs> Always a bonus. Yeah. But what about you, mate? So what do you got this weekend? Uh, hen Friday, and then we've got a ragdoll show at Badlands on Saturdays. So <clears throat> aside from that, uh, I man, I'm like, there's like I said, there's a glut of gear coming out. I've got a lot of demo videos to do over the next couple of weeks. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's good. Keeps me busy. Keeps me trying to make sure I can actually play the guitar. And uh, Nice. We'll, we'll do some more of these as well. So thank you to everybody who's tuned in. This was a fun episode, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Bye.